0: The bards must drink and junk it.
1: Hello, friends and strangers. Thank you for listening to Tomorrow Tomorrow We We Die. A show about the trials and adventures that happen while touring as a working musician. Told to you by people who have built their lives or portions of their lives
0: around writing and playing the music they love. We are your hosts. I'm John Wisniewski. And I'm Jeffrey McNulty. And every episode, we will bring you an interview with people who are out there day-to-day, grinding against the many odds, only to have to shower with monster energy drink. <laughs> Cans, <laughs> Cans. Which apparently are filled with water so <laughs> they're, they're faking you out, man.
1: I, don't, I, I never did that. Never I, had never had a shower with a monster no. energy drink.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not in the shower or as a shower, never. I mean, I'll admit, I'll bring a shower beer in sometimes, but uh, I'm not gonna bring like. An oh, energy absolutely! Drink. There's nothing like a shower beer. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: we're slightly embarrassed. We are more than slightly. Embarrassed. This took a while.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Too, too long, some would say. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, that's one of the things I like about working on this show is that there's no real agenda or schedule.
0: Yeah, and we are, are two human beings with lives and music careers and families.
1: And we have some exciting personal projects going on.
0: We do, Wrapping actually.
1: up a little uh, Sand Rider album, personally, right now. <laughs>
0: it's crazy that that's happening already, I know. you know. And I am I actually, you know, I said a long time ago Githy Yankee was going to put out a record, well, it's actually coming out, Yeah. hopefully by the end of yeah. the year. So, so we,
1: we both got records coming out.
0: Which is insane. And then we've been doing a little bit of work on your solo project you've been helping me with my
1: solo project pretty
0: sick and I can't wait for people to hear that which
1: should hopefully be out end of the year next year sometime
0: <laughs> I think that's a realistic it's been experience. enough
1: time and money put into it at this point that if I don't release it I, I'm just awful yeah I fail I fail it myself <laughs> you failed you <laughs> I
0: won't let you fail that one John thank it's, you it's too good it's thank really you. fun
1: so yeah this is our um this is our part two yeah <laughs> it took us months to get to this, this has been recorded for Fuck, almost a year.
2: Yeah, I don't oh, know. at least a year. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean that's what's so weird listening back to it is like, it's got that primitive, you know, middle of COVID recording style, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and yeah. and we're uh, once again little hammered towards the end of it. Mm-hmm. Not as uh, at least one of us.
1: Yeah, just put. Well, I mean, when you're stuck in a closet with
0: a computer and and whiskey, unlimited whiskey. Yeah, you know. Yeah. That's basically what happened. I don't know if you remember last year, but that's what went down. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) A lot
1: of drinking while looking at computers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So,
1: yeah, this is our part two with uh, Brian and Aaron from Red Fang. Yep. It's great. Um, Before we jump in, though, let's check in with our official show sponsor, Relapse Records. Relapse Records.
0: What do they got? They got some killer shit coming up. I mean, I mean albums as, I'm really looking as, forward to.
1: As usual. Yeah, so as actually, as usual. I kind of want to um, touch back on the thing we were talking about months ago. Oh, yeah. with The last episode. And I was ruminating on what is this King Woman thing. Oh, yeah. And you were
0: like, yeah, it's pretty cool. You should check it out. Yeah. Well,
1: I did. I checked it out. And it is excellent. It's good, it right? Fucking excellent. You see
0: how I really couldn't, I didn't want to like pigeonhole it before it you listen to it. By very hard to like, explain. By trying to say what it is, you know? It's very
1: hard to explain. I think that the best thing I could say for it is when you look at the album art and you see the name King Woman, there's a whole bunch of like prior art that has been sort of like manufactured at a major label level that is sort of like... It paints you a picture when you look at it and yeah. you get an idea of, oh, I, I think I can figure out what this is going to yeah. sound like. It's going to have a little bit of like Marilyn Manson, a little bit of Evanescence. <laughs> sure. And then you listen to it and it is just it blows away any expectations you have. And it is just so cool yeah. and dark and creepy. It's
0: great vibe. But I,
1: like savage at the same time. Oh, yeah. my God.
0: It's great. I really got to thank uh, my buddy Dylan Desmond from Bell Witch. He turned me on to that. And the funny thing was is at the same time, we're both listening to a lot of that and a lot of King Dude. and <laughs> yeah, Right. And, and the question, well, what? What do you like better? King woman or king dude? Uh, don't make me answer that question. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's totally different, you know, but it's just the it was the joke on about the two names that were so similar.
1: Right. Coming up right now, there's a pre-order live for a new dying fetus. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that'll be excellent.
0: Yeah, it's going to grind.
1: Yep. It'll blast your nuts off mm-hmm. if you have nuts. Genocide Pact coming up. Is that a pre-order? It's
0: not a pre-order. Go That's get out. it. out. Yeah.
1: Here's something I'm super excited for. There's a new band called Scarecrow doing a release on Relapse. Yeah, it's got um,
0: Bay Area homies in it. Bay Area Luminaries.
1: homies, yeah. Members of Exhumed and Hammers of Misfortune. Yep. Go check both those bands out and then pre-order this new Scarecrow album. It's super sick. It's just like that early thrash metal stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Meets with a death metal like kind of like attitude. Yeah. Is what it kind of sounds like. Yeah, yeah,
1: but it's like if you want like a significantly harsher version of a classic
0: Metallica album, this is your kind of stuff. Word. Yeah. Death Angel, all that Bay. I mean, come on, the, the Bay Area death metal scene is so incredible, and their thrash scene is obviously world renowned. Mm-hmm. I think Seattle has a killer death metal scene going on right now, but I mean, there's at least four or five bands from the Bay Area that I count as my favorite bands of all time. Yeah, Bay Area's always been, <laughs> always been. They're the metal scene is fucking good. Yeah. Another thing that I'm really excited about is the new Mono Lord record, which yeah. uh, weirdly I didn't know about until moments ago. Uh, that's one of those bands that I heard when I walked into a bar here in Seattle and I was like, oh yeah, I think I recognize this. And I'm like, wait, I don't actually recognize this. Who is this? <laughs> and uh, and then I went and bought their last record, and fucking it was stuck in my CD player in my car for like a really long Hell time. Hell yeah. Totally recommend it. Some of the best Doom out there right now. I mean, definitely in the top five or top ten. In my opinion. Yeah. You know, I think they're fucking, they're holding it down.
1: I don't do a ton of Doom, and I was just checking out a new song from that mm. Monolord album just now, and it is absolutely my thing. Yeah. My jam, totally. It's good shit. Yep. What about that Cherub's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Cherub's, Just released something on Relapse 2, which was sort of like a remix album of their last one.
0: Which I am ashamed to say that I don't own. I own everything else they have, and I I just (laughs) skipped that last record, I guess. I mean, maybe in the pandemic, I saw it came out, and I thought I'll pick it up sometime. Yeah. And now me and you started talking, and I looked in my iTunes, and it's not there. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we'll remedy that situation post-haste.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. the latest Cherub's record is great. Um, If you like extremely loud- Abrasive. like power chord rock. Um, It's like and it's like really yeah abrasive is the right word like super harsh But then every now like every now and then on that record they bust out into something like really catchy and pretty True. That's good.
0: Which is part of their newer style is the fact Mm -hmm. that they feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Whereas before, back in the day, they were one of those trans-syndicate bands that was like pushing the envelope of noise rock. Right. Sort of the post-Butthole Servers, post-scratch acid era where noise rock was really coming into their own. Really some of my favorite music of all time. Mm -hmm. That song Pink Icing, like at one point that album was one that you could throw on and chase all the squares out of the room. You know, I'm not, I always have at least one or two of those in my back pocket. Any uh-huh. one time, <laughs> yeah. so that I can just like. When people throw,
1: won't leave at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, or
0: at the end of the night if you're having a house party or something. Right, right. And you know, right. you can, you know it's, oh, there's too many squares around here. Well, let's throw on this Cherubs record and see if they can handle it. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they usually can't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Thanks, Relapse.
0: Yeah. I guess those are the highlights for us right now.
1: There's a bunch more. I mean, yeah. it's been a while.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Sorry, you're gonna You might have to do a little <laughs> bit of your own research here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to talk about something that's a little bit different, but I think that everyone that's listening would enjoy it. I've been reading what I've kind of realized is a pretty new book by the writer Lisa Robinson. It's called Nobody Ever Asked Me About the Girls, and Lisa is an amazing rock writer and has written about everybody you can think of and has interviewed anybody from bob dylan to beyonce and beyond like mm. you name it friends with patty smith back in the day you know right really really cool really good writer and then this is like saying like you know people never asked me to write a book about you know they want to ask they want to ask me about Mick jagger and bob dylan but they never asked me about you know chrissy Hines and you know anybody else you know i mean mm-hmm. so i think Not only is it interesting just because it is a book by a woman about a woman's point of view coming up in rock through the heyday of the 70s and the 80s and 90s all the way up till now. I mean, this book just came out. Right. But it talks about touring from a woman's perspective. And, uh, you know, you think you know about touring until you think about Adele touring with her kids. And than you think about other women not touring with their kids. Right. Just just an aspect, you know what I mean? What is it like to be Stevie Nicks back in the heyday of Fleetwood Mac, Yeah, and all the dudes are fucking other chicks, and you're like, well, I guess I'm just gonna, what am I gonna do? Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they talk about the go-go's and the runaways. I mean, I am so fucking enjoying this book. Lisa Robinson. Nobody ever asked me about the girls. If you're interested in rock history, this is the side that hasn't been written about, and it fucking stokes me out to be able to read about it. I'm super, just super happy that it exists.
1: You got me sold. (laughs) Definitely going to read it.
0: That sounds excellent. Awesome. So why don't we, and this is funny because it kind of just happens, why don't we just do what this episode does and just jump back in?
1: Yeah, let's just go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we are with Red Fang.
3: (laughs) I guess late 90s there was a thing where, Ginkgo biloba was like the jam like it was supposed oh, to be yeah. like mental focus. So I was taking it for a while. They were they were giving it away for free. Anyway, but then it became incredibly expensive. So I gave up on Ginkgo biloba for like a decade. And this is just embarrassing because it just shows had just how stupid I am. But I was <laughs> at a gas station and the other thing is that I really like those little Starbucks cans, those like 10-ounce cans of Starbucks. They're delicious. They're like crack. They're, they're yeah, deli- yeah. Anyway, there was a buy one, get one free. So I was like, well, how could I not get two? Anyway, I got those. And then I was checking out at the gas station, and um, I see this ginkgo biloba packet <laughs> at the checkout. I'm like, oh, that stuff is really good for mental function. I, I should get some of that Anyway, so I buy that, too. And I'm getting into the van. John is just finishing filling up the gas tank. And I'm like, John, did you get any ginkgo biloba? And he's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, why not? This stuff's fantastic. Anyway, so I get in, and I think it's Coyle's driving, and and I'm in the passenger seat. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm taking this ginkgo biloba. This is going to be fantastic. <laughs> so I take like it's three pills in a pack, and I take all three of them. And then I'm drinking this Starbucks can, and I'm like, Oh, that was delicious. And then I'm like, Well, screw it. I think I'm going to have the other can because it's so delicious. Anyway, so like 10 minutes later, I start getting all kind of sweaty. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh no! And like, my heart like heart palpitations, and I started having these these thoughts of imminent death, and I'm like, oh, God. oh Lord, oh God! And I had just used the restroom, but I was like, Chris, we gotta stop immediately. He's like, We stopped. <laughs> I'm like, Just we need to stop immediately. We stopped at like the shittiest gas station ever. I mean, it was just so filthy. I go to this bathroom that just has probably hasn't been cleaned in like a week, and I go in there, and I'm just blasting diarrhea out of my butt and I'm vomiting like crazy and I'm sweating like crazy my heart's going insane and I'm just like oh god oh god and then it's getting the sink and I'm just splashing water on my face so I finally kind of get to where I'm feeling okay ish feeling pretty edgy but okay and I uh-huh. go back to the car and they're like what did you do I'm like nothing I just had some coffee and what were those pills and I was like Ginkgo biloba. I'm like, are like, what? Where, where's the package? And I get the package that was still in like the the trough in the trash or whatever. Yeah. And I look at yeah. it, and it's got a rooster on a motorcycle shooting guns, <laughs> <laughs> a major amount of trucker speed. I whatever. I'm just so dumb because because I was like, John, did you get some of this? And I was like, excited about it. He's like, Hell no. But I never talked about it until it was too late. <laughs> anyway, if it's like a point of sale thing at a truck stop, yeah, it's not healthy, it's yeah. a bad fucking idea. <laughs> so, anyway, I
0: learned that story. Maybe, uh, not take all three at once. Maybe you were supposed to just take well. One. I thought
3: it was a biloba. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it happened to have a load of you know speed in it, yeah. <laughs>
1: I love the packaging of that, too. They're, like, trying to appeal to, like, the hippie
3: truckers. Like, yeah, like oh, no, I'm a naturalist. Yeah, and I think the rooster was, like, doing a wheelie. I mean, it was pretty clear what they were guns. doing. It <laughs> was shooting guns, too. <laughs> That's that shows how dumb I am because I'm like, oh, sure, a rooster doing a wheelie shooting guns. That's how I want to feel. <laughs> I want that tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Learned my lesson.
1: There was a rumor going around in your guys's first couple of years, and I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to myth bust it right now. The rumor was that you guys, you guys did like a big tour early in your career, like shortly after signing to Relapse, right? It was like the Mayhem tour or something like that.
2: Rockstar Energy Drink Mayhem
1: Festival tour. Woo! Yes. So the rumor that was going around uh, the underground bands was that you guys actually like took out a loan and went into debt to go on that tour myth or busted <laughs> or bust. <myth. laughs>
2: uh, I don't know. Was, is that true? Not alone. loan. That is not true. Not so, okay. no, we were going to definitely go broke if we didn't do anything. I don't know if you remember from a couple minutes ago when I just like 2 or 3 minutes ago was telling a story about how uh, even on our very first tour, we never actually have lost money on a tour. Oh yeah, 2
0: or 3 minutes ago, Yeah. It yeah. was like 2 days ago. It was
2: super fresh in everyone's mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was one of those tours that they presented it to us and we were like how the f- fuck, are we going to do this? Because it was clearly a bus chasing tour and we couldn't afford a bus. Yeah. We had, I think, talked to Relapse about it and they were like, well, we can help out a little bit because it's kind of an important thing or whatever. But what it really was, was that... Even though it was a rock star tour, we actually had recently gotten a deal with another energy drink called Monster Energy. Oh, yeah, the other one. There's another one, too, that you may have heard of called Red Bull. (laughs) No. I (laughs) just want to make sure that all of the advertisers are happy about today's podcast.
1: I'm a Surge guy myself. I prefer Surge. Oh, my Lord.
3: Loco. Oh, my God. I just just got a Surge from my uh, uh, liquor store guy. His name is Bronson, if you can believe this. And so for like a year, I had this thing because I wasn't gonna drink this surge, but I could always offer. I was like, "Do you want water, beer, or a surge from Bronson?" Surge from Bronson. <laughs> and I got
2: to say that for a year. He was like, "You look like the kind of guy who would like a rooster doing a wheelie on a motorcycle, shooting <laughs> guns." I got the thing. I got the right thing for you. Surge from Bronson. <laughs> I got a spurn from Bronson. Uh, that's I'm, I don't think you ought to be saying that in public.
3: Well,
2: I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Anyway, go ahead. The answer is myth busted. Ooh, no, yes. we didn't have to take a I loan. We were uh, lucky to have at the moment when we were all like super nervous about leaving our jobs. I was working full time in the puppet fabrication department of a stop motion feature filmmaking company in portland and we all had to like quit our jobs because of all these tours that were coming up and we were pretty nervous about it because none of us had ever just been like okay music is going to support us from now on we're all in our mid-30s ish and that's not really the time when you're at a stage in your life where like fuck it let's just quit anything that is like a potential steady source of income
1: yeah no shit
2: You know, a lot of people do that, but I think that generally you don't do it when you're 35 or 40 or whatever. So yeah, we luckily had some financial backing from Monster Energy Drink for the Rockstar Energy Drink Mayhem Festival tour. That's pretty cool. Is it boring to ask?
1: Like, what does that financial backing look like? Do they just like give you like a pile of money and be like, "Here, go on tour." They gave
2: us a pile. So we went. We were in Los Angeles, probably playing a show on some other tour, and. Laurel, our manager, had us go to some party in some weird warehouse in Culver City or something and meet with the people from Monster. And they have like a very small... It's like two people in their music division. Uh Even though that company is huge and like, you know, billion dollars or whatever. Met with the guys and they're like, yeah, cool, whatever. And I don't think that the amount of money they gave us is that that was their, you know, in four seconds of sales, they made as much money as they gave us. One of the other things I thought was pretty interesting about that Monster thing, like meeting those dudes was... They had just stacks and stacks and stacks of cans. You were asking, well, like, what did it mean? It was, yeah. it was some cash. And then it was also, they basically were like, you can have as much product as you want. But <laughs> one thing to note about that is that both Rockstar and Monster, all the bands that are like drinking that shit on stage, it's water. Oh. They have cans that are specifically for playing on stage. And they actually say on the top, it says stage water. Nice. And then it looks like a can of Monster, but it's just really shitty tasting water in a can
3: if people are really drinking as much monster on stage as, as it looked like or star whatever
2: they would be doing what you did
0: yeah
3: Trek Crispy in In Iowa. Barfing is great green everywhere. (laughs) It's ridiculous. That tour, as a matter of fact, was Rockstar. So Rockstar was supplying like just shitload of these tour waters. And people were like taking showers with them and stuff. It was like, like, you know, eight cases and they'd be out there shampooing their hair and just dumping cans of water in the parking lot. It was so dumb. I was like, why don't we just have water? Well, can't we just have like a <laughs> gallon of water? That would be cool. But no, I mean, you know, it's a massive yeah. marketing yeah. campaign, so yeah. whatever.
2: And the other, my other favorite thing about that meeting was that when he was encouraging us to take a bunch of cans of Monster with us, because you know, it's you need caffeine when you're driving yourself all around the country. Yeah, I was like, I haven't had most of these flavors, pretending that I knew what the drink was all about. Which one do you recommend to the guy who's the head of the music marketing department? He was like, Oh, I don't, know. I don't drink that stuff. another myth busted Yeah. so you guys have this like
1: incredible tour opportunity and then at the same time you're in a van and you're chasing buses and you fortunately don't have to worry about money that much because the kind people at Moonster Energy Cheese have given you, you know, <laughs> a, a pile of cash to dip into. But so you're still in this situation where you're so I have to imagine you guys you're definitely not
3: headlining at this point. Ha! You're like playing early ha! in the day. That tour we actually were sharing a bus. Okay. Why I think we were we were so afraid about money is because we were sharing a bus with Unearth. So it was like a hundred bucks a bunk per day. Yeah. I think I called our manager, like the second day we were in Vegas, I was like, well, we're screwed. <laughs> and she got on the phone and she found some people to, you know, to make it to where we could get home. But yeah, no, we didn't make money on that tour. You know, I mean, we were, we were like, yeah. well, what do we need to make in merch per day to make this happen? And we were making like, I don't know, 30, 40% less than necessary. Yeah. Yeah. So luckily, you know, the Monster guys, I mean, whatever, I make... I make fun, but the thing is they really did save our ass, you know, them and, and PBR gave us some gas money and whatever. I mean, they, we got taken care of on that thing and that, and we did survive it, but it was crazy. I mean, before we even signed up for that tour, our manager was, she was like, you've got to do it because we were the only band of her whole agency that was posted for it. Yeah, She's like, "You have no choice. You have to do it. I'm like, okay, great. And she's like, well, you got to, you know, spend money to make money. And I'm like, Yeah, but whose money are we spending? Are you (laughs) Anyway, so amazingly we did survive that tour. And honestly, it was fun. It was my favorite nightmare. It was it was fun.
2: Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. I want to actually answer your question and answer another question that you didn't ask about it, which is that yeah, we weren't even remotely headlining. We were actually playing. Technically, we were first of. I think there were six stages, maybe, Jesus. and probably twenty bands, or maybe even more than that. Yeah, and we were technically the very first band that was on every day. The very first. Oh, fun! And it was like no, we were the
3: second one. We were the second one
2: because the first one was straight line stitch. True. O- oddly, there was another band that. I- Actually, that played on the schedule before us time-wise, but we were technically the lowest build band of the whole thing. It's just the way that the stages yeah. were arranged. We played yeah. after. But in any case, that tour happened to be during like this crazy heat wave. And we were playing in this portable Jägermeister stage that was like a tractor trailer that they would just open up <laughs> and unfold into a stage. Oh, man. So it was like black spray painted diamond plate that you're standing on. Yeah. Oh, this stage was always set up like in the parking lot outside of yeah. the venue yeah usually facing the sun usually of facing course. the sun it was there was days where our shoes felt like they were melting onto the stage and it was like i mean there were days where it was 105 degrees and we were playing on a stage that was probably 115 and so we got to the point where it was like we had a 30 minute set and we would we had two alternate versions we had you want to play the hot weather set and it got to be where it was just like the hot weather set was every time where he had as many slow songs as we could possibly <laughs> yeah. fit
0: <laughs> uh, so you're just like <laughs> keeping it chill and <laughs> not rocking out too hard.
2: <laughs> exactly.
3: This is a sidebar, but I remember we were in Albuquerque during this. We followed a heat wave, so it was just blazing hot the whole summer. But uh, JFO, JFO got violently ill the night before Albuquerque And I didn't know. So it was just brutally hot. And anyway, we had a habit of just throwing all of our cans and trash out in the street. And I was like kind of on board with it because I thought that's what was how it was supposed to be done or whatever. But then that day I was like, I'm going to clean up. So I grabbed the the garbage bag that was thrown out on the street outside of our bus. I opened it up to throw some trash into it. Oh, no. Anyway, I'm reeling back because... (laughs) It was the worst smell. I, I mean, it was really bad. Like, I was, like, dry heaving. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> it turns out that JFO had gotten so sick the night before. And the thing is, you can't use the toilet in the bus for mm-hmm. black water. You know, you can't poop. Yeah. You can only pee. So he... Shit in the trash can, but also <laughs> felt so sick that he had vomited violently into the trash can. <laughs> oh and so then he took this bag filled with diarrhea and vomit and threw it out in the street. And I was like, I'm going to do my due diligence to clean up that smell. I don't think I'll ever, you know, I'll ever smell anything that bad in my life.
1: I love it. the The one guy who has a conscience he, to like clean up the trash on the <laughs> road
3: I learned a lesson that day. Never clean up again.
1: Yeah, you basically like picked up Beelzebub's garbage <laughs> bag.
0: <laughs>
3: Grossest smell. Oh, Lord. That's so funny. Oh, my God. That is that hilarious. So
1: good. Oh, yeah. You guys talking about playing hot shows reminds me that last season we had Horrors on the show. And they talked about being on tour with you guys in Europe and you guys playing the hottest show that has ever happened. Oh yeah.
2: The second hottest in show. France. It was the hottest show that had ever yeah. happened to them. It was in France. The hottest show ever was one that we played in the basement of the club in Bordeaux or I can't remember. I think it was Bordeaux that the, um, Paris, maybe. I'll back up the show that Christian was talking about was in like a community center that just had zero airflow. And yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys were all outside vomiting afterwards. Oh wait, that's <laughs> no, no, I vomited on stage. Oh right. You vomited on stage. Yeah. It was yes, like, I, I, don't, I don't want to waste my time. I'm just going to do it there. Right, right. It, was, <laughs> it was like really insanely hot. But, you know, we made it mostly through our set, at least. Uh-huh. But there was this other show. It was another like European tour that I think was the second headlining tour we did. And we were playing some shows in France again. Heretic Club. Is that what it was called? In the basement in Bordeaux. And it was like, this seemed to keep happening to us in France. That you'd go to a club and they were like, "Oh yeah, the you know, capacity tonight is three hundred people." And you go into the room and you like you shut the door and your your nose is against the back wall already. Yeah, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> uh... three hundred, huh? Okay, that seems <laughs> yeah. a little opt." You're people here are smaller than back home, but not that much smaller. Yeah, that club had no air
3: whatsoever, and they had these huge, you know garage doors they would basically just seal the place in for sound oh no that's a difference
2: yeah. no I'm, t- I'm not talking about that place that's the combustibles that was in paris I was, I was, the, the one in, in the basement in bordeaux the one where you took the your pants off that was in paris at le combustibles okay the Bordeaux so there's been one, a lot of hot shows that one we at yeah. least made it through that show i had to get totally undressed to make it through but this bordeaux oh, one shit. is like no, no question the hottest show ever i think they crammed probably two or 300 people into a club that at best should have held 75. Oh my God. And it was in a basement, like tiled walls and the dressing room kind of in the back was just like, I think it was just a cave or something. I don't know what it was. It was like unfinished. <laughs> and yeah. tiny little stage with those like can lights that were probably six inches from our face. Oh you know, Jesus. Just full just blast. Just to make matters worse. Yeah. Can light. Walls were just dripping. Every person in the club had their shirt off. And just like yeah. pouring sweat. I was at the point where like every time I finished singing, I h- just have to go to the back of the stage and lean against the wall to try to get, you know, some a, ti- cool a air, tiny air bit some, of yeah. Yeah, just like four degrees less heat mm-hmm. on my back to try to cool me down a little bit. And I kept oh, so well, I keep
3: using these shows. But is this the same show where the dude totally naked with the sneakers was crowd surfing?
2: No, that was the one in Le Combustibles in Paris. <laughs> okay, sorry. That's all right. But, you know. Uh, so many hot together. Yeah, that was the first show that was like, oh, shit, this is not good. So this is a, a theme in France is that they're not prepared for heat in their clubs. Because this happened three uh, times now that it's just yeah. like, take off all your clothes, walls are dripping, and everybody's vomiting. Good yeah. shit. Yeah.
1: You guys have toured Europe a lot. I know for back when Akimbo was touring, our Europe tours were always markedly better in many ways than our American tours. Is that the same for you guys?
2: Absolutely. We've had a couple really good... The hospitality is much better. The shows, I think, are Uh generally... It's just whenever anything is slightly exotic, it's more exciting, you know? And in the U.S., U.S. bands sound like, you know, even if you're stoked by it, it's familiar sounding somehow. And there's like something that's a little bit different about music from overseas. And the variety of people and places... Is a lot starker in Europe than it is over here. Like you cross mm-hmm. a border from Germany into Italy, and and it's way different. I mean, people are people are generally the same, but the the cultures and the venues are pretty different from one place to the next. But yeah, Europe. I feel spoiled because, to be perfectly honest, it's got to the point where I don't actually know how many tours we've done in Europe. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit! Yeah. Which I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to say that I don't know, but it's also like I can accept that it's a. Pretty rad position to be in, where it's like I don't know, twelve something like that. I actually don't know.
1: Yeah, we did a lot too. I have to think really hard to count.
2: I remember, I remember
3: we we played a show. It was with Torch. We played at a club in Paris. It was, I think, it was when we switched buses. Whatever. I'm not going into that. Anyway, we played this really weird new song, and the crowd went crazy. And I was like, How did people get this song? It's so weird. I'm so happy and then after the show John and I were talking and I was like they really liked that super fucked up song that you know we almost never play anywhere else it was one of the first times we played it and he's like I think we're a French rock band <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we are, <laughs> you wrote but one french song <laughs> they're just. i think what well, i think that what he was getting at or at least what i took away from it was that in europe esoteric shit goes way farther than it does in america and america is like why you're not doing 4-4 yeah. why can't i mosh in a normal way to this yeah where they're <laughs> there they're like well, that's totally crazy, and they love it even more. So, anyway, but yeah, I, I got a kick out of it. He was like, "I think, I think we're a French rock band." Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, sure, fuck it, that's what we are. Let's take a quick break. Uh, I want
1: to listen to the song "Unreal Estate," which is on Red Fang's latest album, "Arrows." This riff, Jeff. It's a, it's a crusher. This riff. It's a crusher. <laughs> Let's play it. <laughs>
2: festival we played in Geneva where I think it was called La Fête du Musique or whatever. It's like the festival of music. And sure. we were playing on this like real crappy side stage. I was like, oh, this seems like a pretty cool festival. And then I decided to walk around and realize that they had tucked us like super far away around the corner from where the real festival was which was up around the corner and there was like (laughs) tens of thousands of people and this big thoroughfare and like a huge main stage that you couldn't see or hear from where we were. I was like, well, damn this. Okay. I guess that's where we get to play whatever. So we did our set. We were last on our stage and I was kind of nervous because it was pretty empty all day. And luckily people showed up. And by the time we played, we had a pretty decent crowd there. We finished and they were like hard curfew. It's switzerland and they have like super hard curfews they have super hard db limits which is uh-huh. a giant pain in the ass yeah. in, in yeah. europe that's one of the things that i think bands don't necessarily realize is that those db limits are real and they will actually they have sound boards that are db sensitive that will actually shut down yep and the only way they can turn it back on is for the police to come and to turn the
0: holy <laughs> shit yeah that is so
2: lame yeah there's
1: such fuckers
2: about it's it over ugh. there so we finished and there was, you know, it was like two minutes left before the curfew and we we're like, whew, that was awesome. That was a great show. But uh, whatever, we had to, we had to stop. And then after a couple of minutes, the crowd just gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And we're like, what are we supposed to do? Because obviously the DB limit is being broken by this crowd. So eventually yeah. it was actually the security guys who were like, you guys have to go out and, and play some more. We were like, whoa, this is crazy. Like expecting nobody. And then suddenly we're being asked to go out like this sc- securities asking us to go play more. And I was yeah. all like, kind of got <laughs> puffed up about started feeling a little bit proud of our accomplishment. And then we get out there and realize that one of the main reasons people were s- screaming so loud was because this couple that had been doing a bunch of gymnastics on the Hill by the side of the stage had come up uh-huh. and they were continuing to do, they were now doing their gymnastics on stage, but they were also oh, God. completely nude. Nice. <laughs> and had been for the whole show. And then they were up there oh. and just like prancing around naked. We're like, yeah, these people love, oh, they don't love us. They
0: yeah, <laughs> they just out. like nudity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <They're> like boobs.
2: <laughs> of course. That was that outdoor thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. I have also fainted after a show. <laughs> we played a show in LA at Spaceland with Big business or maybe big business was just there. And after the show, I was hanging around out front and noticed that David and Jared had jumped into our van and I was like, oh, those guys are going to go smoke some weed. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> I jumped in after them and I was, I'm a pretty novice weed smoker. I'm not really very good at it. And I think I would maybe wasn't drinking booze at the time. So I was like trying to make up for it with sure. other intoxicants. And so we were passing this joint around and usually I'm like a half a puff kind of guy. And I probably took like eight puffs. <laughs> so, yeah, I went back and I was standing out front and talking to a couple of friends of mine, actually from that puppet fabrication. And I couldn't even talk, they were talking back and forth. And I was like, if I even try to say a word, I'm going to shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I just waited, I waited until I felt like whatever it was that was going to come out of my ass had solidified enough to where I could make a word. And actually, to be fair, something that has actually happened to me several times when I'm super hungover, my voice kind of rattles around in my chest a lot because it has like a I have a kind of whatever chesty voice. Mm-hmm. And there have been times when I felt sick the next day from a bad hangover. And the first time that I talk, it actually makes me barf. Oh. <laughs> <Just> the <laughs> vibration of my voice has made me barf more than once. Wow. Or maybe it's that I'm just sick I hear in my own self talk. Mm. But uh anyhow, so I finally muster the courage to say something and I was like, I'm really sorry you guys. I just got super high. I feel like I'm about to shit myself, so I just got to go inside and find the bathroom. I pushed past everybody, got into the club and started pushing my way through. I don't know if you know, remember how Space Land was laid out, but you basically of it's course. like a maze to yeah. get to yeah. the to yeah. the bathroom. I remember. So you have to go like past the bar, take a right through that little thing, then go through the crowds, through some tables and then around the back of the whole venue and then up that walkway and then around a corner. And then, and so it looked exactly like one of those super stupid movie scenes where there's like people's faces and fisheye getting closer and the cameras tilt. Like that was what actually was happening is so I was like, Whoa. And people were coming, <laughs> coming in and out of focus and I was crashing into tables and I just looked like some, like, bad actor pretending to be high. Yeah. And I finally, like, pushed my way back to the bathroom and shoved past the entire, you know, there's a huge line of people waiting to go. Just shoved past the whole line. And I was, like, just desperate to get to the toilet. And I got up to the to the door of where the, the stall was. And the guy was like, everybody's like, whoa, dude, what's going on? And I crashed against the door. And the guy's like, whoa, 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 there's somebody in here. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm really high. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Or whatever the fuck, it's some stupid shit that I said. Next (laughs) Uh thing I knew, there's a dude standing over me. I'm like looking up from the floor and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, what? What do you mean? And he's like, you just fainted and like fell forward in a dead faint and just cracked your skull on the tile wall, on the opposite wall. Holy shit. I I don't know, I, I feel fine. And then I I (laughs) went back out to the van, and I was okay.
0: That is way better than my fainting story.
2: Amazing. That might have been the
3: same show. We went back to Jared's house. I think we crashed there. Yes. And uh, we went on his roof and um, smoking some weed. And I'm like Aaron. I am not good at pot smoking. (laughs) I'm like, oh, no. And I was like super terrified. Anyway, so I kind of retreated. But apparently... (laughs) Coyle, our tour manager, he, he 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 got so high that he got in his sleeping bag and he, he are just like, fuck it. I'm going <laughs> to pretend that I'm just relaxing. Yeah. And so reading the magazine. Anyway, so Jared comes up to him. He's like, how you doing, buddy? And Coyle's like, oh, I'm doing great. And he's like, oh, cool. <laughs> and he's reading this magazine. He's like, um, by the way. Your magazine is upside down.
0: It didn't matter. It <laughs> <laughs> didn't matter.
3: Uh, We're just pretending to read. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretending been to be fine. Stone. Yeah.
1: My turn. My turn. I have got yeah, one yeah. too. Let's hear yeah, it. Yeah. So I like like the rest of you. I am also awful at being high. The day I found out how bad I was at being stoned, Akimbo was on tour with Big Business and we played in LA. And we, we ended up staying with Dale Crover from the Melvins and Maureen at their house in Silver Lake. And Dale wasn't there. Dale was out at the recording studio working on the Melvins Lustmord mm-hmm. split. Sort of like a compilation, but like sort of like collaboration yeah. record that they did. So we're just kind of like hanging out with Maureen. And so it's me and the Akimbo guys and Jared and Cody and Maureen. And we start, we start playing Kariki, the dice game, in their kitchen. And... For context, too, like like big business guys, totally know Dale. Yeah, Nat knows Dale because he's been on tour with the Typros, and so they've you know played with the Melvins and hung out with the Melvins. Me, I don't know those guys at all. (laughs) I'm like, I'm a little bit starstruck and like freaking out on the inside, but whatever. It's cool. It's totally chill. Like everyone else is having a great time, and so we're playing kariki at the table and we're having beers, and it's just a great time. And then like yeah, the pot pipe comes out and it goes around the table, and I've like I've definitely smoked pot many times before this, but I've never been high before this <laughs> right and so i don't really know what i'm doing and so like the dice is going around and then also the pop pipes going around and as this is happening dale gets home from his session and he's just like hanging out and talking to everybody. He's like talking to jared and cody and stuff and he like puts on the the rough mixes from the the lust mord session mm-hmm. and it's like it's like the bloated pope and pink bat like early mixes like some of my favorite fucking melvin songs like and I'm hearing them for the first time, just like, oh, my God, it's so good. It's amazing. And me and some of the other like akimbo guys who didn't really know everybody are just sort of, you know, sitting there at the table playing dice and just drinking beers and stuff. And then, yeah, we, we sort of get back to the dice game. And I realize that I can't speak. I literally <laughs> cannot form words. <laughs> and I've got, like, as the pot pipe has been passed around, I've gotten so stoned, but I don't know what I'm doing with pot at all. And it's the first time I realized that I can't handle it. Like my body is just not acclimated to it. And to this day, like this is like 15 years ago now, like to this day, like I have one toke and I'm fucking out. Like I'm done. It's my absolute, absolute end of the day. Like, okay, I'm ready to just, just be over. And so, and so yeah, we, we finished up the dice game and stuff and I don't really know what I'm doing. And, 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 people start socializing in the kitchen and we're still cracking beers and I'm standing there and there's a, there's a moment where like, you know, Dale's going around his kitchen because, you know, he's come home to a bunch of people, some he knows and some he doesn't know. So he's just, you know, he's being nice and a host and also trying to be like, okay, who the fuck is in my house right now? Yeah. So he's asking questions and, you know, hanging out and, and and I'm standing there with Dustin Brown, who's in Akimbo for only a very brief amount of time, but he's standing there. He and I are standing there and then Dale comes up and he just starts talking to us. And like, I'm like, I'm super paranoid and I can't handle it and I don't know what to do. And at the same time, I'm like, is like one of my musical heroes. Like, I'm in his fucking kitchen. Yeah. And I've just heard these like incredible demos from this release that is not out yet. And I'm like, I'm kind of losing it. And he's talking to Dustin and I'm like trying to get it together. It's like, I have to, I have to talk to him, man. Like, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime, maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity. And so I try to engage in conversation and literally literally gibberish comes out of my mouth (laughs) (laughs) and dale gives me this look it was almost like disappointment and like shock like who is this guy (laughs) oh no no. like like do i have to say something why are you in my eye yeah yeah and and in that moment i realized what i just did and then I, I don't know, I just got really quiet and then put myself to bed shortly after that. <laughs> just got my sleeping bag and crawled up, up on get the your floor. your
3: magazine and read it upside down? And <laughs> it up. yeah, totally. <laughs> That's what you do. weed with Al from sleep because I had to. Yeah. I didn't want to. It was in the middle of the day, but I'd never met the guy before. But uh, it was, I think, party time. We were on tour and we went over to his house and he offered us a joint and I was like, you're not allowed not to smoke pot with that guy, you yeah, know. No, I mean you have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You're honor bound.
3: So I was like, okay, and then the rest of my day was ruined. Uh, it was terrible. <laughs> I was yep. like, God, I'm fucking high as fuck. <laughs> Damn it! But I mean, yeah, you know, if I'd be more disappointed with myself if I didn't do True. it. So yeah, if you got if you got to climb into the sleeping bag with the upside down magazine, you yeah, know. I It's part of rock and roll.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, man,
0: I've been there. We've been there. You got to just shut your eyes and sort of see the mandalas
2: and just wait for the morning. (laughs) That same tour, there's some pretty, some lots of super crazy shit and super fun shit happened. That was our first headlining tour of Europe. And we had lucked out because right before that tour had already been booked. And last minute, Mastodon asked us to go to Europe and open for them as their main support for like three weeks in Europe and then doing sick. a couple of weeks opening for them and Dillinger in England. Yes, yeah, You guys
1: thought about it real hard. Like, yeah, it I don't took, know. It was, yeah. Well, actually... Mm.
2: Oddly there was there was a moment when we were like the amount of money that they were offering was and it, it wasn't because of the band wanting to fuck us over but it was so little money that we were like we just can't do it for that little money. Yeah. yeah that tour ended up being great. We also got incredibly sick all of us did on that tour like every single person sicker than I've been in years.
3: Was that the tour that we got sick on where everyone was getting sick and I I got sick in Berlin and I got I missed uh Duran Duran. Oh yes. no.
2: I went and watched Duran Duran. They're they're playing it across the street from a flat <laughs> Yeah, to this day, I'm super frustrated because I could have seen fucking Duran Duran. I didn't see it. <laughs> so our first headlining tour was booked for April. And that one was like the Mastodon tour was in January. And all of a sudden, as soon as we finished that Mastodon tour, most of our April tour was suddenly sold out. Yep. <laughs> so it could not have come at a better time. Yeah. But we didn't know that we were going to have a sold out tour. So we'd made all the arrangements ahead of time. So it was us and Black Tusk sharing a splitter van. Mm-hmm. So there's like maybe nine seats, like uncomfortably, it could have seated nine people. And we had five of us, four of us in the band, plus Chris, three people in Black Tusk, plus Igor, their tour manager guy, the driver, yeah. driver's girlfriend, and Whitey was there for the first week. So we had eleven I feel like we even had twelve people at one point. We had like eleven or twelve people in this van that super uncomfortably would have fit nine. Oh, it's yeah. so it was it's really bad. Real bad. But it was also a really, really, really fun tour. But you know, it's one of those things that after you've done it once, you're like, I can't just, I can't do that ever again. It's too much.
3: If our band ever gets to the point where we are regress to that point, I don't think we're going to do it again because it is just too uncomfortable. It's insane. Like these were like hard plastic chairs. Like even if there was no one in there, which there always were, but even if there weren't anybody in
2: there. You can't lay down. Yeah, It sucks. There's no sleep. You don't sleep. We also had kind of a lot of overnight drives in that van. And so like Chris would get kind of like tucked under the first bench. Brian would sleep like in the pocket where the door opens and shuts. He would kind of sleep half in that. I would sleep. Oh my God.
3: I took my laundry to create a nest, which was really uncomfortable. I thought, oh, this will work. I just threw all my dirty laundry on the ground and I was like, Oh my God, this is worse than any sleep I've ever had in my life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was gnarly, but it was great. It was super fun. Oh, it was super fun. and I'm not being facetious. It was really hard, but really, really fun. And I would never do it again. Yeah. You can put that down as the title of this episode.
0: Oh, no, that's a good title.
2: <laughs> I uh, would never do it again. Yeah. It was really hard, <laughs> but really fun. And I would never do it again. Done. Um, but that right. tour ended. We had two shows booked in, russia at the end of that tour oh we had no idea what to expect i don't know your if your first guys... time in russia i've
0: never been there yeah, but john, i know john has yeah have you been there? no no the, the the furthest east i went was prague oh okay ah, okay we never got to russia
2: and you know we grew up on rocky four and like russia yeah. evil and they wait in line for five hours for half a loaf of bread or whatever like we just did that's what we knew of russia and we talked to dillinger and they were like watch out you guys are doing that the overnight train trip from Moscow to St. Petersburg, we did uh-huh. that same thing. And there was like, we had to have dudes with machine guns on the train with us to guard us because there's Russian mafia everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but they probably were Russian mafia and they, they were probably the ones ripping us off. Yeah. And right. Like what the right. fuck is going on? It's like lawless. But so we didn't re- have any of those problems at all. It was actually relatively mellow for us but that show in moscow was like that's one of the all-time most memorable shows and moments of my life and luckily it's caught on tape by whitey who was with us nice Mm-hmm. but yeah we get there and it's like normal club did our load in blah 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 and then our guide guy he took us down to this like military museum down the way for a little bit just to kill some time yeah and we came back whatever 20 minutes later and now there's like a pretty big crowd of people out front of the venue they're all like chanting it's mm-hmm. the first time this has ever happened to us we're like did not expect this at all but there's like people chanting for us and cheering or whatever as we walk into the club ah, dude it is like rocky it is yeah just
1: like rocky <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: Very much except i think they were saying drago they were trying to say red fang but they they had it wrong but uh, the show was just fucking insane the crowd was totally bonkers it was like i had heard of the wall of death you know Mm -hmm. from lamb of god shows or whatever yeah and we're not the kind of we're not we don't have like breakdowns or we don't warrant the wall of death when yeah. that happened at the show, there was like...
1: What's the wall of death? It's where... Aaron, the, for the people who don't know, tell Oh, them.
2: yeah, yeah. I'll clarify a little bit. The wall of death is where part of the crowd will make a giant space in the middle of the floor and form sort of two lines of humans facing each other from maybe 20, 30 feet apart. And then somebody sends a signal, and then they all run at full speed towards each other and then just slam into each other. And, you know, people crack their skulls and break bones. That seems unsafe. Mm -hmm. I think that's what, uh, I think that's kind of the point. I don't endorse it at all. No, no, we don't endorse it. Dressing room was upstairs, and there's the scaffolding that led down from the dressing room to the stage. That was how we got to stage. Mm -hmm. But it also made for a very convenient way for the crowd to just crawl up onto the scaffolding and then descend down onto the stage and stage dive. And there was so many people doing that. There was a constant stream that Chris Coyle ended up having to go on stage and become the turnstile yes. where he would like stand there. Yeah. He was like the carnival barker. And he put his hand, you know, he was waiting until enough people <laughs> had gone down the water slide. To be like, yeah. okay, now
3: you right, go. All right, you can go.
2: <laughs> but there's, so there's, he was also making sure that people would leave, like jump off quick enough. And this yeah. kid got out there and was just like thrashing around and just wouldn't jump off the stage. And so Chris got a little bit impatient and went over and just shoved the dude off the stage and met like more resistance than he was expecting and realized that the reason why the kid had not jumped off yet was because he had real long curly hair uh-huh. that had gotten completely wrapped up in Brian's headstock. nuh like, Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cleaning machines just... So the guy goes flying and is like, Ah! And Chris was like, what the <laughs> And then he looks over and Brian's guitar just has this like clump
3: oh! of
2: hair. It was so disgusting.
3: I I had to use my pliers to uh Was there blood? Yeah, bloody hair. It took me like oh god. I, I don't know 20 minutes to yank that hair out of my toonie pegs. That poor kid. I, <laughs> I, I I luckily I had pliers. I was like, "Oh god." Yeah, that's metal. But I felt bad for the kid because I saw it happen. Oh, he was so gross. He was so elated on stage, and I was like, "Awesome!" And then I was like, "Oh no, kid!" <sighs> and then he just got fucked up. And well, what could I do? So, and well, nothing. Clearly, yeah. But anyway, after the show was over, I was like, "Well, getting the pliers out, and am gonna yank this hair out of the fucking toonie pegs." And it, at what
1: point did you did you realize that his hair was caught in your teeth pegs? Yeah, bags? how are you playing? You know, once still
3: headed into the crowd, and he screamed. I was like, oh, (laughs) you are in pain. Oh, that's amazing. Certainly, I didn't want to hurt anybody, but yeah, ugh. It was real gross. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you didn't hurt him. No,
0: not really. No, I didn't hurt him,
3: but clearly he was in pain. I was like, oh, poor, oh, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, I'm just going to do this
1: guitar solo now.
3: (laughs) But I had to do a lot of work to get his hair out of my shit, so we both suffered. Yeah, so
0: feel for Brian.
3: (laughs) Yeah, feel for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: man, that's gnarly. There's been many times, at least – three memorable moments in which our singer Jake has gotten hit by my headstock Mm -hmm. and just damaged, like, you know, because you know how your scalp bleeds, you know? Mm -hmm. When you hit him right in the scalp, it's like a fucking wrestling thing. Yeah, one time he had three, the little... The little posts from the headstocks, yeah, indentations, yeah.
1: Three perfectly spaced. Boom! Yeah, that that, that
0: was that was at the break room, and that was fucked up. And then one (laughs) one time at our the first the first song of our first set at the covered wagon, he went, and he leaned back and he hit his head against one of our drummer's cymbals, against Brent's cymbal, and cut his fucking, the back of his head open. So bad that we had to get him stitches afterwards, but we didn't know this. So the whole time we played the show, he was bleeding out of his scalp down the back of his shirt, and it was like a river of blood. Dude, I'm so impressed that he fucking made it through that fucking show. Jesus Christ. And then it's like, oh shit, fuck, dude. I guess we better take you to the ER. <laughs> Sorry, buddy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. At least you took him to the ER, which is unlike there's a show we played at the Milestone, uh-huh. Charlotte. Is that where it is? North Carolina? Yeah. And one of the dudes. Yeah, from, we played there. Yeah, it's a legendary spot. One of the dudes from mm-hmm. the opening band was thrashing around. I, th- I can't remember if it was during Valiant Thor, our set. And took a header on the concrete and split his head open real bad. Uh, and then with no. vomiting. Cause he clearly he oh. had a uh, concussion. Yeah. Concussion. And his friends were like kind of tending to him. And then next thing, you know, they disappeared. And I was like, uh, you have to get him to the hospital right yeah, now. And like, like now. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do that. But we, uh, we're hungry. So we just, no, we, we had no, to go no. get some burgers. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
0: no way. God. Holy
2: shit. I
1: mean, I love a good burger too. Yeah. But yeah, come man. on
2: friends. In quotes, <laughs> friends. Yeah. Speaking of fights, we never get in fights. That's a band? No, you, you shake hands. We shake hands. That's one of the things that we do before we play. But occasionally, the crowds will get a little bit riled up. And one of the times, I can't remember, I think it was the second time we played in Budapest. It was a great, great show. And there was a lot of crowd surfing at that show. And at the end, a couple of the dudes from the crowd were like encouraging all of us to get out and like crowd surf. And I was like, sure, why not? And so they grabbed me and like carried me out. And then they grabbed Brian and carried him out. And then this guy jumped on stage and was like, John, come on, let's crowd surf. And John was like, no, no, no I, I'm good. I'm good. And then the guy was like, no, 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 for real. I just want to, it'll be fun. I'll just John was like, no, I understand. I know what you're asking me to do. And I just politely decline your request. <laughs> and, uh, but the guy wouldn't take no for an answer. And it... <laughs> Anyway, so it was like, okay, so John wasn't into that. So Brian and I, we get hauled back onto the stage. And we go backstage and David goes backstage and we're like in the green room. And we're like, well, it's been a while. I don't know where John is, but people are like still cheering. So maybe we should go out and play an encore. And I Uh was like, well, you know, it's really hot show. So John may be vomiting. It's not an unusual, (laughs) not super uncommon (laughs) for him, like during a super hot show to have to barf after the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like, he's probably barfing. He always shows up. We'll just go out and start making feedback, and then he'll show up and start playing. And so we go back out. We start making feedback. There's still no John for a minute. And we're like, that's kind of weird. But then after we make feedback for a little longer than normal, and then he, you know, then he kicks in. And we're like, oh, good, okay, yeah. He he probably just was away, barfing or whatever. Barfing. Yeah. So we finish out the encore and go backstage, and he's like, "Did you guys see what happened to me?" Nah. And we're like, "What were you?" were you barfing like normal shit? What do you mean? It's like, no, I got, I was in a fucking fight. Oh my God.
3: What are you talking
2: about? (laughs) He rolled backstage and he was getting in a fight. He fought a dude, that guy (laughs) who was like asking him to go to crowd search. Uh Just wouldn't take no for an answer. And so they started kind of like the guy was trying to grab him, I guess, and like haul him to the front and throw him out onto the crowd. And John was just like, no. And they started like (laughs) wrestling and they ended up, like, falling off the back of the stage through, like, the curtain that was in the back. And there was kind uh-huh. of, like, just piles of gear and shit back there. Yeah. It was just, like, this weird storage area. And so they roll off of the drum riser. Oh, man. And they're, like, down in the, you know, all this equipment. And they're in this tussle where they're, like, now they're fully fighting each other. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's like WrestleMania. It's
2: <laughs> we had just wandered off and we were like, that was a great show. I wonder if we should go yeah. play an encore. And then like five <laughs> minutes later, he finally finishes the fight and then just gets on the drums and finishes out the set. That is beautiful. That's so he good. He wasn't real happy about it, though. No. Why would you be? No. No, but that's
1: testament to an excellent touring musician where you guys are on stage making feedback and noise like, yeah, we're doing the encore, baby. Yeah, these people want more. And he's back there fighting for his life with his bare hands,
3: <laughs> hearing the noise on the end.
1: And I'm sure there's a switch in his head that yeah. flipped that said, oh, I need to get on stage now. Right. <laughs> you know, not like, not oh, I might have to kill this man. Oh, right,
2: right, right. No matter <laughs> you could what, almost say that you could give us credit for him winning that fight. Was yeah, It was like we there gave go. him a yeah. reason. There you go. No, it's pretty awesome that he pushed through that and was like, yes, I got to finish this set up. <laughs> Jesus, that's so intense. Props to John. That's so good.
0: Okay, let's take another break
2: and listen to something
0: from Last of the Juanitas. You know, I went to Wantage Bandcamp, uh, the record label Wantage. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Maybe it's Wantage. I don't know. <laughs> and they have a whole bunch of really good stuff on that. And Last of the Juanitas has a Bandcamp. So I bought everything they ever did because I realized I only had like a 7 inch a split and like one album that I had on CD at one time so right. I just was like okay this sucks I need all their stuff so I just like you know spent like 40 bucks or whatever it was, it was worth it trust yeah, me and then I absolutely. ended up but then I got a package from Wantage with like hella vinyl so I've got like a CD and a 7 inch and another 12 inch so nice. I got shit to listen to on my turntable and shit hell yeah too. so yeah let's listen to that and then we'll get back into the interview the explosion of legalized marijuana in Washington, it's no surprise that someone from our music community got involved. But Saints owner, Lawrence Perigo, is an old friend of ours from the band Wormwood, one of the heaviest bands in Seattle back in the day.
1: Their flowers grown with no-till gardening, all organic. They feed the soil using all organic methods, and the soil feeds the plants. Specializing in pre-rolled joints and mostly compostable packaging
0: featuring art from amazing artists. Check out the joint sessions on their website featuring Spotify playlists curated by artists, musicians, and friends of St. Joints. Find them online at saintsjoints.com. Saints Joints are currently available in Washington and Oklahoma. It's
1: good weed from good people. Pick up a pack of Saints Joints and know that you are helping the environment, the arts, And your own relaxed self as you drift into space. Okay, so something that we haven't actually talked that much about on this show, but is totally a thing when you're on tour, is parking the van. Yeah, it's hard. Parking the van is a very tricky and interesting problem every night. There's a whole bunch of variables that you have to keep in mind.
0: Like the trailer. <laughs> Proximity
1: to the venue. How big your van is. Yeah. Uh, safety. Yep, yep. Like is it a visible spot or is it like tucked into a dark alley where someone could easily like break a window and get in there and then yeah like here's the thing that I'm getting at which is something that not many people think about unless you have a fuck ton of gear in the back of your van that you need to get in and out at some point during the night which is getting parked in, you may find that perfect, amazing parking spot, like right by the loading door. But if some asshole parks his car right up on it yeah, and you have nowhere to go, then you're basically fucked because you can't open the back doors of the van to get the gear in and out. And as I understand, you guys have a pretty interesting story about getting parked in.
2: Well, we have our own personal one. And then Brian should tell the one about his witnessing of Mastodons dealing with that <laughs> totally problem in Paris. Ours is that it's from Annie's social club. Played there a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. San Francisco. San Francisco is the quintessential place of. Yep. I'm not sure any place is safe to park. You never know. you, know, like, you
0: never know. No.
1: Yeah.
2: So we lucked out and found. A- I think New York is the worst. Manhattan
1: is the absolute worst. But yeah, San Francisco's up there.
0: Yeah, but you don't play that many shows in Manhattan, let's be
2: honest. Yeah,
1: I don't know, Knitting Factory. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Anyways. Sure.
2: Continue. We, have had, we actually had, oddly, we made money from getting crashed into by a forklift in New York one time because the van got parked <laughs> in front of like a... <laughs> that rule. It was an auto repair mm-hmm. shop and there was apparently huge signs. We were parked in front of their garage doors of an auto repair place. And it said like, you know, yeah. working do garage, park. do not park. And then of course that's just a suggestion. <laughs> so I guess they uh I guess they actually ran into the back of our van with a forklift and shoved the van out of the way. All right. And then we we're like, oh, I don't know what happened. And then called our insurance company and they came out and took a look at it. And they were like, okay, here's a check for two thousand bucks. <laughs> ah, Sweet. It was awesome.
3: And the van still works perfectly. So yeah, it's
2: great. It was fine. So we didn't even get it fixed. We just took the money and nice. ran. I think it was even the same van. We were playing in San Francisco had a spot right in front of the venue. There was like this giant front loader or something that was parked on the street. So we just kind of parked in front of that far enough forward that we knew we can get in mm. and out get our gear out of the back. Yeah. And I was like, this is a great, great spot. After the show, we come out and there's some compact car that is parked like two inches, maybe one inch from our front. They did like a 100 turn park. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was no, no, no. There was nobody in front of that. Okay, I got you. We had parked in front of like the front loader. Yeah. And then to give ourselves a like, but I think we backed up after we finished loading because we didn't want to leave space for anybody to break in. Also a tactic. So we were backed up as far as we could. Against that. And then this other car parked with like one inch of space between <laughs> yeah. us. There was literally no way we could get out. Yeah. And I think I was the most sober at the time. Fuck. I don't know. I was like, I think I could do it. And I kind of like would back up into the tire of the front loader and then try to go forward. Cause mm-hmm. it was like the front loader is not going to get hurt. Yeah. And it was getting later and later and later and later. And then eventually some people, I think from the club or somebody came out and they were like, just push that car out of the way. Yeah. And we're like, really <laughs> and sure enough if you just push your bumper up against a little teeny car with a giant van and then hit the gas hard enough it will <laughs> we just slid the car down the road and we're like and then the whole, like the whole <laughs> sidewalk all erupted in applause uh, and cheering. triumph oh man but brian saw the thing that brian you witnessed that uh the mastodon thing in paris right with the little teeny car that parked in their truck
3: yeah it was pretty funny they basically were like well we gotta load in so this little tiny car gotta go so they just put the loading deck down on the back of their truck and oh. picked up the car and just drove it away <laughs> and uh, I, had a, I had a video of it for a long time i, I deleted and it and
1: they slid it under the axles
3: and just picked it the up. They just put it underneath the front bumper and they picked the whole car up. <laughs> and <it's just> <laughs> <good record.
1: laughs> oh so good.
0: Oh man, you gotta do it. you gotta I do. I had <laughs> the
2: video for a long time. It was cute. It's all about, <laughs> you know, overcoming adversity and problem solving and mm-hmm. figuring out how just to make shit happen when you're on tour because there's different problems every single day. That is the fucking truth. No doubt about it.
1: So as I understand it, you guys had a van accident that was kind of crazy, and it would be remiss of me to not ask you guys about that while I have you here.
3: Hey, Aaron, can I tell the story? Absolutely. Okay. First off, we stopped at a gas station, and me and our Tour manager, Coyle, we love White Castle. Trucker speed? So we got White Castle, frozen White Castle. We <laughs> I friends. love White Castle too. They were delicious, and we ate mm-hmm. them. Anyway, and so we got back on the road, and Aaron was driving. And uh, It's great that you asked to tell the story. This is awesome. This well, is great, saying, Brian. Okay. No, no, no. So the amazing part about the story was like me and Aaron were the two guys awake. Everyone else is asleep. Uh-huh. We ran into... Well, we didn't run into him, but we we got in the face of a tiny deer. And uh, Aaron was like, oh, shit. And so he tries to dodge right. He's, he's trying to get away from this deer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this little deer is not go- going away. So he dodges left. But the thing is... The dodging is making it worse. So we end up squirreling into the median. And I'm in the passenger seat. And I'm like, we're not going to make it. And I had a weird moment where I was like, I'm going to die. But I was was cool with that. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to die. That's fine. But anyway, we flew into the median and flipped a couple of times. But the thing is, right before we flipped, Aaron, it was the most amazing thing of all time. He was like, sorry. And I'm like, <laughs> 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 you didn't kill milk, motherfucker. We're all about to die. But anyway, but I already accepted my death. I was like, ah, that's cool. So it was fine for me but it was hilarious because he really was he was he realized that going off the road was unavoidable he was like "eh sorry it was just so <laughs> <laughs> like cute thing you know oh man yeah and everyone survived and so it's fine but he kept us alive so it's fine don't
2: worry about it.
0: Aaron, you want to chime in on yeah.
2: this? One of the things that I learned is never swerve. Just plow through the <laughs> fucking deer. Yeah, kill the deer. No yeah. matter how you feel about the lives of animals, you know, I had six people <laughs> in the van, but I didn't know. It was just like gut reaction. You see, like you see this eyeball. I disagree. What do you mean?
3: I think that you did the exact right thing, and I'm very happy. We all lived. And that you did exactly the right thing.
2: It is like it's really hard to control when you see like the face of an animal come out. You're just like shit. And you try to avoid it. So, yeah,
3: I think that you did the right thing. You're doing emotionally the right thing. Everything is fucking fine. You know, you should apologize more before you do do so. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, Aaron, it was pretty exciting because as soon as I swerved to avoid the deer, just immediately lost Mm -hmm. control of the van. It was a perfectly dry freeway. There's no one else on the road, but it just like started fishtailing immediately. And I was trying to bring it back under control and then hit the soft shoulder rolled twice. And yes, I did say, sorry, right before it happened.
3: (laughs) So amazing. Ah, I love it. Man, I wish you guys could hear how he said, sorry. It was so adorable. It was like (laughs) the best. (laughs) uh, i want people to have one
2: like last little taste of cuteness right before they die yes so fair enough we roll it twice and then i was like in my mind i you know i grew up skiing and for me skiing is mostly just crashing yeah so i was used to like tumbling head over heels and losing all my equipment and being like oh shit everything's topsy-turvy and then figuring out where i was at the end but i had a vague feeling it was clear that we were going towards oncoming traffic towards the northbound lane. We we're going southbound yeah. and we're rolling. And But I could still tell, I was like, the last thing that I don't want to have happen is for us to be stuck like in oncoming traffic on the other side of the freeway. Yeah, And luckily yeah, we, ac- that's, we that's, ended up stopping like rubber side down. My glasses were gone. They'd like flown off my face. I couldn't see shit. There's like red lights everywhere. There's steam coming out. The windshield is busted. Start asking around like, is everybody okay? Is everybody okay? Everybody seemed mostly fine, except then it was suddenly like, where's David? What? Because at the time we had like this metal loft welded into the back of the van that was also, you know, like Uh, all our gear was secure behind it. And then there was like a little bit of a bench up there. So there was two seats in the front, two benches still in the van and then this loft. And David was always sleeping on that loft, no matter what. Mostly not during shows, but uh, that was his spot. So yeah, it was me and Brian up front. I think Chris and Adam on the second bench sitting, and then John sleeping on the third bench and David sleeping on the loft. Wow. David was nowhere to be found. And so I was like, I just fucking killed David. He flew out the window because all the windows were busted out.
1: All right. Dude, flipping a van with someone in the loft is a nightmare scenario. It's it's what that you, is the nightmare. It's what you think about scenario. when you're in the loft. It's like yeah. what happens if this van flips? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So it was terrifying. And I, you know, it's three in the morning, so it's super dark. All you can see is just these red lights from the van and steam and don't see David anywhere. And we're looking around and then eventually he's like, oh, I'm, I'm just right here. Because he had realized that the windows were busted out and he was like, instead of trying to figure out how to get out the side, he just slid out through them. I'd rather not be in the van anymore. <laughs> oh no. Oh. I remember Chris also saying that he had been, he was sitting on that second bench when the roll started. And then when when it ended, he was sitting on the third bench. Oh, no. (laughs) Because he wasn't wearing (laughs) seatbelt. Yeah. A few of us weren't wearing seatbelts, but, you know, we just waited there for a while. The cops came. They pulled me aside and they were, like, questioning me, and they did a roadside sobriety test. And I'd had, like, two beers, like, four hours earlier. So I passed the test. No problem. John went to the hospital, and I think he got one stitch. Adam, it turned out, had our sound engineer ended up having, like, a broken rib. Wow. But we were like two days into tour. Holy shit. We had played one show in Seattle and I was trying to drive us back because I had to work the next day at the movie studio. And so I was like, I'll just stay sober and I'll drive us back. And then we'll just, you know, then we had a show that night in Portland. And we're like, what are we going to do if we can't play in Portland where this tour is screwed? We got to still tour. And so Chris got on the horn with, I mean, we got back to Portland at like, seven in the morning or something. I had a newborn. My son was pretty new at that point. So I was freaking out about, you know, making sure that everybody knew that I was okay. Yeah. Got back there. Chris had meanwhile gotten on the horn with his friend, Aaron Draplin, who had a van that he said that we could borrow to go retrieve our gear from the wrecking yard where our van had been towed. So the next day we drive up. We're like, we got to get our gear before the show. Recovered all the gear from the busted up van. And the gear looked totally fine. Nothing was damaged. That's amazing. Got it down to the show everything worked totally perfectly.
1: That's sun gear for you. Exactly.
2: Yeah, because you're sun playing AM. solid state. Solid <laughs> exactly. state, my friend. Uh-huh. Solid state. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah. You can drop those motherfuckers. Yep. We played that Portland show. We took the next day off. We were supposed to play in Bend, and we said, no, we got to figure out a long-term van solution and figure out like get oursel- our heads back on straight. And then we did the rest of the tour driving 50 miles an hour. Oh, because <laughs> you're just
0: like, yeah, we're going to take this one real easy. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But it, was, it was pretty gnarly, but we made it
2: through and like you know i don't feel that great about being the guy that was driving when we rolled the van and yeah you know, potentially killing all my friends but i didn't and you know i feel like it was a pretty defining moment in the band yeah in the, you know in a similar way to that show in alameda that it was like doing this is important enough that even though we're rattled and just had this pretty gnarly experience we're gonna still just gather all of our gear shove it into another van and just keep doing it you know just keep going move forward yeah I
0: remember when that went down and it was, I mean, I've been in a couple van blow up situations, but in not anything like that. And whenever anybody who's touring band that, you know, ends up in that situation, Everyone worries yeah. for a few days until you hear back about it. Yep. So I'm 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 glad that, in a way, turned out good in yeah. that y'all are alive.
1: Well, I think um, Brian has literally passed out. Yeah, we, I he's saw it happen. <laughs> we watched it happen. Yeah, he just went to sleep.
0: Beautiful. Right
1: now, he's gone. So Aaron. That's me. Not Brian.
0: And Brian, if you can hear us.
1: And Brian, who is now passed out, literally passed out right in front of us. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. And before we go, your guys' new album, Arrows
2: is out now arrows is out now please don't hesitate to secure a copy for yourself
1: it's quite good
2: i like it (laughs) we're
1: bad (laughs) we're bad at this part we're really bad at this part all right. Well, so there you have it, Jeff. If you ever find yourself stuck on a podcast and don't yes. know how to get out of it. Yeah. You, you what just...
0: you do is you wait until the sun goes down and you <laughs> just drink on your porch and smoke pot until you fall asleep, you fall asleep, asleep. on the recording. <laughs> you know, it was so cute. Brian was so cute because I looked away for a second and then I looked back and I just see him just sort of slump away from his computer. Yeah. And, the, Bri- <laughs> and <laughs> we're still talking. And then it's like, hey, is right out? Brian, Brian. It's so good. Yeah,
1: I think Aaron was talking, and I saw was, it happening. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, he, oh, he's gone. Is he gonna come back? No. What I I guess we're done. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're done. <laughs> what a beautiful way to go out, man." It was so good. <laughs> he was going to tell us a story about, I think, like a drive-by shooting or something. Yeah. Never going to happen. But we didn't get it. No, we didn't yeah, get it. Maybe we'll uh, yeah. have him back
0: on just to tell that story sometime we'll for a clip show.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. What was the other funniest thing? Well, when
0: uh, their, dr- was it their drummer got off a yeah. stage and he was Sherman. backstage and yeah. he, was, he was basically beating the crap out of some guy while yeah. they were, like, getting the feedback he was, he refused Because yeah. he refused to stage die. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> The guy was like, come on, yeah. come on, in Russia or some something, stage oh, I with us. I love it. There's always one of those dudes <laughs> at every show, you know what I mean? Just like punishing you for yeah. just, no, I don't feel like stage diving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
1: God. Yeah, there's always those people who just like, they insist that you party. Yeah, and they're having such a good party.
0: time and you feel bad about it. Yeah,
1: one time Akimbo, I think we were in Denmark. We were mm-hmm. somewhere in, in Europe, in that, that region of Europe. We play a show and there's this group of three guys. Yeah. And they're at the bar, and we hadn't even played yet, but they were just so excited okay. to like see the American <laughs> band. Yeah, sure. And so they're, but they're at the bar, and they have they're sharing a bottle of Jägermeister Ooh. between three people, and they are <sighs> Jeff, they are drinking Jägermeister like they are. Pounding. Well, can
0: they handle it? I mean, this is Europe.
1: You know, yeah, right? I, well, yes, they ab- <laughs> they absolutely could. And they're like, stop us, and like, hey, you guys should drink some Jäger. And at the time, I was working at a bar. Yeah, I was a bar back and the bartenders like to pour you a shot yeah, especially on a, a busy Jager, night maybe? and Jaeger was what they mm. like to pour and I had enough of it that I <laughs> I, would yeah, nev-
0: I think we've all been there I
1: never want another I don't even want to smell Jaeger <laughs> again for the rest of my life I had enough bad nights just yeah. because of the Jaeger shots and so I politely declined yeah these gentlemen were not having it. <laughs> they would—they insisted that I drink Jagermeister and I just wouldn't. And our guitar player, Aaron, he took the bullet he from took me and for me and boy, howdy Jeff. I tell you, he was fucked up. Because that's the that problem night. is like,
0: play, you know, you get fucked up on Jagermeister before you play. Dude. It's not going to work out so hard. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the morning after.
1: But. Yeah. But they definitely they definitely challenged my manhood. There was like some sort of comment in there about, oh, yeah. about how like I wasn't being a man mm. about it. And I was like, mm-hmm. but you're. Wait. If that was whiskey, yeah. you could throw that at me, but dude, that's not, that's not, that's not a air quotes man drink. Like, come on.
0: <laughs> they probably don't understand the stigma that Jägermeister has. Yeah, probably not. You know, in the United States. Yeah. Remember when Jägermeister was cool, like back in the grunge days? That was probably before you could drink. <laughs> no, 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 I don't remember. No, cool. would have like Jägermeister patches on their mm. jackets and shit. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, Jäger. Yeah. And that's when I stopped drinking it for real. You of know? course. I still have a shot every once in a while if somebody wants to buy me one, but you puke one Once on it That's enough Once is enough Uh huh Uh -huh. (laughs) Hey so um, I also went back And bought all The Red Fang albums Mm -hmm. So I have a very Good sense of uh, Accomplishment From my purchases On Bandcamp but I didn't realize until I saw it that Red Fang did a Two Way Army cover. They sure did. And that's, as you know, John, one of my favorite bands of all time, especially that first record. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think we should force people to listen to it on the way out.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I we mean, they could press stop,
0: I guess, but that would be that'd be really rude.
1: No, no. What you're supposed to do is let the whole thing play through so that we get better data from our <laughs> podcast data. <laughs> So you can stop listening to it but just let yeah, it play out. Yeah, just let right it please. play out. Thank you. <laughs> let's absolutely do that. Let's before we before we outro, let's yeah. let's try and somewhat gracefully end season 2. Okay. I mean, this is the last one we have of the big chunk of recordings we did during COVID.
0: Yep, officially
1: the end of season 2. That's what we're calling Tomorrow it. Tomorrow we die. We're calling it the end of season 2. We're uh was already making plans for season 3. Mhm. Some of those plans include taking a break
0: <laughs> as always. Like
1: like a real break that we mean to take not a plan <laughs>
0: not, not just <laughs> a planned break not, not a just not plan.
1: doing the show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking about some super cool guests I think we can probably pull a few of them
0: agreed yeah we have a huge wish list and we need to get off our butts over the next month or so and start making some emails, text messages, yeah. phone calls.
1: Yeah. Just got to let the our personal lives settle down a little mm-hmm. bit, but I'm pretty I'm pretty fired up about starting to plan yeah. the next the next yeah, chunk of people. And another quick plug for Red Fang and our past guest Conan Neutron. Mm-hmm. If you liked hearing from Red Fang today, which I'm sure you did, Aaron Did an interview with Conan Neutron and his his podcast, yeah, complete protonic reversal.
0: Guy is a genius at pulling in the (laughs) coolest musicians. You're like, what? No, I.
1: Like, I've texted with him I was like how the fuck did you
0: get like I'm so Kira proud of Kira from Black him. Flag Like, it blows like, you away
1: it's amazing he's got a litany of incredible guests on his show one of them being Aaron and the interview he has with Aaron is, is fantastic it's not tour stories like our show but yeah. Conan takes him through basically Red Fang's entire career so oh ta- yeah and talks about mostly their records and mm-hmm. sort of like the process with writing the records what it was like to make the record and all that stuff it's a great show big recommendation for that This show is about touring musicians telling incredible stories from their lives as they remember them. Humans are generally pretty great, but we all know that memory fades over time, and that in the moment, people interpret situations differently based on their personality, background, state of mind, drugs they were on, intoxication level,
0: etc., etc. The important thing to get across here is that at no point should these stories be considered hard facts or perfectly accurate portrayals of real events. If by some chance you were there for something that was talked about on this show or know someone who was and heard a different side of the story...
1: If you feel we've been inaccurate or misrepresentative in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out and help us set the record straight tomorrow we die podcast at gmail.com we'll read everything
0: and to any road worries out there who might be listening we want to hear your stories too if you have a crazy moment from the road you want to share with us then please drop us a line on email
1: write it up as succinctly as possible please we don't want to read your autobiography and if we have the time we'll read it on a future episode feel free to plug yourself in the band as well again the email address is tomorrow we die podcast all one word at gmail.com. And once again, I'm Jeffrey McNulty. And I'm John Wisniewski. And this is Tomorrow, Tomorrow We Die. Die. Find us on the internet. Our website is www.tomorrowwedie.com. And remember, that's two W's T O M O R R O W W E D I E.com. On Twitter, we're at Tomorrow We Die PC. Instagram, at Tomorrow We Die Podcast. Facebook page is at Tomorrow We Die Podcast. Our email address is tomorrow we die podcast at gmail.com, and the show is published on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and SoundCloud.
0: Podcast produced by Jeffrey M. McNulty at the Pachinko Parlor in Seattle, Washington. Additional editing by Joe Plummer and Chris Dewey. Background music is by Noel Frequency Impulser. Tomorrow We Die is produced in partnership with Ruinous Media. Check out the rest of the Ruinous Media family at ruinousmedia.com and on all the major social media platforms.
1: Thanks so much for listening.